to episode 18 of the Walshing Apps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, my guests are Caro Sheridan and Megan O'Toole. Caro is a photographer, knitter, and quilter, and Megan is a digital and social media strategist. All three of us live in the Boston area, and I've had the pleasure of hanging out with both Caro and with Megan over the past year, although they've never met in person. So Caro, Megan, welcome. Thank you. Hey, and, Me- nice and Megan, Megan, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Kara. <laughs> we have to all three get together in person sometime soon because that would be fun. Um, so I'm so glad you could both join me today. And um, Carol, we'll start with you. You were once a snowboarder and a professional dancer. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about how you came to photography and sewing and knitting. I started out, you know, my mom used to teach sewing in her basement when, when I was little. And so she would be teaching these couture tailoring classes and teaching people how to, you know, insert sleeves and make the perfect collar and that sort of stuff. And I would just play on the floor underneath the table while she was teaching all these classes. And so I think some of that, you know, kind of melded into my brain. And then I, when I graduated from high school, you know, I'd always knit the whole way along and I'd always sewn the whole way along. And then I, you know, moved out on my own and I was snowboarding and that was a great way to make an extra couple bucks or get paid in uh, beer was to, you know, hem shoot or uh, hem pants or, you know, take a headshot for someone who needed, you know, something for back in the day. It was all film then, but so I didn't do a lot of it because it's pretty expensive, but I've just kind of, it's stuff that I've done always and I take it with me everywhere I go. So you were taking photos too. And so how did you kind of get into photography? Because you take incredible product shots. They're just so gorgeous. Thank you. I started, I took a class when I was, I think I was seven or eight. My dad was a big photographer. So I I kind of get the influences from both sides. My mom was a sewist and then my dad was a photographer. So I took this class when I was, you know, little and we learned how to develop film and learned all about the rule of thirds and all that kind of stuff. And I used to just go out with my dad and shoot photos and he'd get them developed for me and just kind of kept going from there. So I know you have a class on Craftsy. I know lots of people who've taken it. It's called Shoot It and it's about taking product shots. So how's your Craftsy experience been? I've loved it. It's been fantastic. There's such an amazing group of people to work with when you fly out there and uh, record the show. And then afterwards, it's so much fun. Like every, every morning I check in to see if there are questions in the class. That's part of the teacher involvement is that, you know, continually check in on and answer things. And it's so fun to see how people progress through the class. Yeah. Have you seen, you know, partic- do you have like particular instances of people who have taken the class and have totally changed or improved their product shots in their, you know, Etsy shop or wherever? Absolutely. There's um, Space Cadet Creations. Her, her photos have tra- changed drastically, just backgrounds and that sort of thing. And uh, there, you can add projects to the class so people can actually post, like, here's what I used to do and here's what I'm doing now. And so it's, it's fun to see the changes in how people do their project shots. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So what? tell us about some of the things that you're working on right now. I, I have so many irons and so many fires right now. It's crazy. <laughs> I am working, I've got um, the Split Yarn Shop, so I sell accessories at, for knitters and, uh, and uh, normal people as well, and camera straps that I make, and then I also have, um, I'm working on some quilts that I would like to enter in QuiltCon for 2015, and I have a couple of photo shoots that I just finished editing 
for some knitting pattern. Um, they're yarn manufacturers, actually. It's Louette and for Harrisville Designs. So that's been fun. And uh, I'm sure there's other things that I'm doing. I, <laughs> if I had a list in front of me, it would be so much better. That's amazing, though. I love that you do all of these different things. I just think it's terrific. I love to do a lot of different things, too. So I totally get that feeling of, like, wanting to do more than one, you know, more than one pursuit. So that's great. <laughs> it keeps your days interesting. That is definite. <laughs> so, Megan, let's jump over to you. I love your blog posts on that really dig deep into social media issues. Like, you had a post about listening for your brand online that I thought was totally brilliant. And I learned that you can put the URL of your blog post into the Twitter search bar and see Mm -hmm. all the tweets that have mentioned it without sort of at mentioning you. And that was totally mind blowing and life changing for me. (laughs) And I do it all the time. So um, I also learned from one of your blog posts, how to customize the look of third-party apps that I have on my Facebook page. You know, if you have a little app there to connect to Twitter or to connect to your Etsy shop or to your blog, how to make those all look like your brand instead of looking like random or whatever Facebook gives you. Uh, so I love those things. Oh, so good. <laughs> tell me um, a little bit about what interests you about social media and why you think it's important for businesses to get businesses big and small to get a grasp on how to use it. Um. Well, I think, you know, social media is, I got started with social media through a blog that I ran a few years ago and I had no idea that people or it's more than a few years ago now. Um, but I had no idea that people did it as a living and, um, I kind of fell into the tech world. Um, and it kind of, I did fall into the tech world because of what I was doing with my own personal social media around the blog. And so one of the things that I really like to talk about, um, and I should probably write a blog post about it is just how social media changed my life. Um, how it connected me, um, with so many different people and opportunities and, you know, professional development. So I, one of the really the most important things for me with my clients and people I you know talk to about social media is just showing them the opportunity that the internet holds and how if you can think about it, you could probably do it. Um, Absolutely. It's definitely yeah. changed my life too. And it does every day. Like I'm yeah. exposed to new ideas, new opportunities every single day through social media. And I just think yep. that's fantastic. So let's just trace back a little bit. Tell us about, um, my love for you a little bit and kind of what that was about and what happened afterwards. Sure. So, um, in 2006, I had started reading some blogs and was going to different art blogs and noticing that I was going to a bunch of different places to find my interests. So like knitting and DIY and street art and, um, new contemporary art, I was finding in all different places and all the blogs that I was, was going to were very male oriented and all the like, um, all the art blogs, whereas like all the DIY and the craft blogs were very like quote unquote girly, like female oriented. And I started to realize that there must be other women out there like me. Um, so I started this blog called my love for you is a stampede of horses. And had I known that it would take off, I probably would have picked a much shorter name. (laughs) Um, it was a, a text that somebody sent me a long time ago. And, um, so basically the people that started reading it, it got shortened to my love for you or ML for you. Um, 
And, you know, I just started blogging about art and, um, I started connecting with people all over the world and, you know, 2010 rolled around and I was actually able to start living off of my blog with advertising. And, um, I had moved back to San Francisco, um, after living in Boston for three years and, you know, it's just kind of plugging along, going to shows, doing studio visits. I had just started a podcast, um, doing interviews and, and just, you know, having fun and, um, Yahoo contacted me out of the blue and I used to get emails all the time from many different people and I would just kind of ignore them because <laughs> I just, you know, I was a little naive back then and I didn't really get tech. Like I was just running this blog because I enjoyed it. And so Yahoo approached me. I thought it was a joke. I didn't think it was true. Um, but to make a long story short, uh, it was true. And they hired me to come onto their social media team and help develop their voice online. Um, and at that point I had no idea that people were working, like actually doing social media for a living. It like blew my mind that people got paid to be on Twitter and Facebook, um, and, you know, I didn't stay there for that long because Yahoo sort of took a nosedive uh, three weeks after I started working 10% of the uh, work. Three weeks after I started working there, 10% of the workforce was laid off. So it was not the most positive environment to be in. But, um, you know, I learned a lot and it opened up all these doors for me around social media. And, and over the next four years, like the whole that whole environment has really exploded. I mean, social media is huge now. Twitter's way different than it was in 2010. And, um, you know, I went on to work for Wikia, which is Wikipedia's for-profit sister. And then I went on to work for Wired. And, you know, I just found that I really wanted to get back to my roots and help um, women and um, small creative businesses and show them how they can utilize social media and, you know, what it can do um, for them. So now what I do is I work with creative brands and bloggers and small creative startups around social media and creating content and defining their, their digital voice online. Which is super. And you write these terrific blog posts that accompany that. So, um, yeah, thank yeah. you. So great. So it's so great to have both of you on the show. I think we have really complementary and different skill sets. It's just fantastic. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about what I'm working on too, which is um, a series of patterns that I just finished releasing that are plush taxidermy. So I have an elephant, a giraffe, a unicorn, and a deer, and those are all up in my shop now. And they'll be out um, as simplicity pattern envelopes next year. Actually, Cute. One, yeah, it'll be one pattern envelope with all four. And then I have another simplicity pattern that comes out, uh, just came out on Friday, and it's number 1386 if you want to check it out. And that's for these cute little animal bags. Again, it's four different designs, and they're little animal bags to sew that are sort of perfect for a toddler, like little kids. Um, and I'm also working with a designer to migrate my blog from TypePad to WordPress, which is very it's exciting and terrifying. So exciting. I know. Um, I am sort of terrible at picking fonts and colors and stuff like that myself. Like, I just feel overwhelmed by all the choices. And so it's great. I'm in good hands, I think. I hired um, a designer named Shay Box, who did uh, Pinch of Yum, which is one of my favorite blogs. 
um, she designed their blog. And so I just, I hired her to, to do like comprehensive branding and design my blog as well. So we have moved along. We've got a new logo and, a, and just approved last night and we're working on the banner today, new podcast logo. It's going to be fantastic. So oh, that's awesome. I love that stuff. It, yeah. it really helps, um, branding online and really helps to get excited about what you're doing again. Yeah. I've never had real branding. Um, and my goodness, I am like sorely in need. So now that I see kind of what it is, I'm like, Oh wow, this is going to be, this is what I've needed for years. So I'm very excited about that, but it is definitely going to be scary to switch my entire blogging life, which I've had since 2005 over to a new platform and have to learn how to use it, but I hear it's great. So I'm having confidence. That it's yeah. WordPress is awesome. Yeah. And also I just wanted to say one of the best things I ever did for my business was investing in professional branding. Your branding is gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. It's like red, white, and blue with the heart. I love it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I've been looking at mine for the, the last, over the last, I started blogging again this week and I've been looking at mine and it last got updated in 2007 and I, I keep looking at everything that's out there now. I'm like, Oh, I can update everything. Yeah. Totally. It, yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting to work with somebody else who sees what you do in a different way mm-hmm. um, and brings to it kind of a fresh eye. I just, yep. I'm really appreciating how, how mm-hmm. great that is. It really breathes new life into your business. Yeah. It's, yep. it's really great. So, um, so my new site should be up in early summer, hopefully. That's if, so exciting. If things are on track. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's dive into some things on your list. I asked both of you to prepare a list of things that you recommend that you're loving right now. And I've come up with my list as well. And these lists are amazing. So Kara, we're going to start with you. Um, I'm excited to learn about this. What is wave accounting? So I started, you know, just a little bit of history. I had a job job where I wasn't able to work on any of my split yarn stuff for about two years. And so in October of 2013, I got to quit and then kind of relaunch everything that I was doing with the shop and photography and all that sort of stuff. So as it came time to do taxes this year, I wanted to make sure that I was ahead of the game from where I had been in previous years, where I was always kind of scrambling at the last minute to find expenses and all the you know, like, oh, did I buy that with PayPal or was that cash? I can't remember. So I started snarfing around looking for who was doing good accounting stuff because, you know, it wasn't working for me with, um, I had uh, the one by Intuit, uh, QuickBooks. I was using that originally and then there was some other stuff like FreshBooks and everything. And so I stumbled across Wave Accounting. I don't, I don't even remember. It's just one of those rabbit holes that you go down. And it's a free app. There are paid aspects of it if you get to that level. So if you're like paying people with a payroll, then you can pay for that. And um, I think if you're, that might be the only pro service that I really know of. The rest are kind of um, for a level that I'm not at. So everything that I'm doing with it is free, but it's got it will, you can link in your bank accounts. You can link in your credit cards. You can snap photos of your, uh, receipts that automatically parses the information and puts it in your transaction log. The reporting is fantastic. I'm, I'm loving it. It's fantastic. Okay. So can you import Etsy into there? What I, because I'm using PayPal for my big cartel stuff, it's bringing in all of those transactions. Okay. So I can't use it for inventory in that respect, but I can allot all of the income that I have from, from PayPal, from the big cartel shop 
as, you know, retail sales is how I put okay. it in. And what about like Etsy direct checkout or do you have, um, I guess on PayPal, on um, Big Cartel, you must just use PayPal because you can also do direct checkout on Big Cartel, but you can only, you have to pick one or the other. You can't have both PayPal. Exactly. Right. You can use your, is it, is, I yeah. think they use Stripe, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I'm just using PayPal because that's. Okay. Yeah. And, but on Etsy direct checkout, do you have that enabled? I don't. I actually haven't used my Etsy shop in okay. probably, I think, 2008 I made the switch. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's not, not on your radar. Okay. Um, but it, it comes preloaded with all yeah. the categories that things would fit into. So when you take stuff to an accountant, he'll say, you know, is this telephone wireless or is this telephone, you know, hardware? Would it, it's got everything in there. Wow. That sounds great. So did you look at Outright in comparison? Have you heard I, about Outright? I did. Outright was one of the ones that I looked at and okay. it just, the kind of the look and feel of it wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah. Well, they got bought by GoDaddy and then I was like, eh, I'm done. Like, I don't want Oh, that. that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I was excited about them. I actually wrote a really good blog post, um, working with one of their representatives there all about them. And then they got bought by GoDaddy and I was like, eh, so I kind of feel like I got to update that blog post to be like, don't do it. So yeah, that's exactly, that is exact. Thank you for reminding me. That yeah. is exactly why I didn't go without right. <laughs> okay. So I use an Excel spreadsheet. So this seems like it might be a good option to switch over at some point. It's so super easy to get started with it. And having the app on my phone for receipts is the best thing ever because mm-hmm. you can assign it to a category as you're standing like at the post office or if you're at, you know, buying supplies, whatever it is, you just take a picture of the receipt and zoop, off it goes. Right. That's super. Yeah. And great too. I mean, if you, at some point payroll, right, that, that might happen, who knows, but you'll have that option if you need it. So exactly. Yeah. Great. That's a great, a great pick. Um, all right, Megan. So this is a book you had tweeted about this book the other day and I'm like, please add it to your list so we can talk about <laughs> it on the podcast. It's called manage your day to day, build your routine, find your focus and sharpen your creative mind. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I like have been yelling about this book since last weekend. Um, a friend sent me an email. I have a, a few women that I talk to a couple times a month. Um, like I have a, a bunch of different women that we meet and sort of share inspiration and professional development and just kind of network. And she sent this to me and it was like the heavens opened up. I bought the audio, um, from audible. And so basically let me back up. It's basically a book, um, from 99U, which is a great website for creatives. Um, and it's all about, you know, um, stop doing busy work and start doing your best work basically. And it, it's, it's for people that are overextended, over distracted and overwhelmed. I'm sort of, I'm reading the, the little clip right here. And, um, you know, for me as somebody who works for myself, like I couldn't wait to work for myself so I could do whatever I wanted. Right. And like, now that I'm a year and a half into working for myself, I realize that you need a lot of discipline because the internet can just suck you in. You know, like I've had days where all of a sudden four hours later, I'm like, Whoa, what did I get done? Um, you know, and then I find myself, I'm working late into the night and letting other things like, um, you know, every, I always try to set goals for myself. And one of the things I've found this year is that all these great goals that I set for myself in January, I haven't been meeting, um, because I'm really managing my time poorly. So this book is 
just an awesome, I, I highly recommend getting the audible version cause you can listen to it, um, while you're walking your dog or, you know, while you're out walking or, you know, just listen to it during the day. And it lists cognitive behavioral things to do around the internet. Um, it also lists like no brainers <laughs> and, um, and then it also talks to a lot of leaders in the industry like Seth Godin, um, and a few other great people, uh, the guy who founded Behance. And um, it's just like, it really like rocked my world. I've been listening to it every single day. It's terrific. And you're right that when you work from home, it's all about disciplining yourself because there's no boss. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's nobody there. And like, if you, if you wanted to, you could literally like sort of not do anything and then nothing happens when you do nothing. Yeah. I mean, it is so easy to hang out on Twitter all day and just read and like, just you fall into this like internet K-hole. And for me, (laughs) um, and you know, one of the other things that I wanted to touch on with this book is it also talks about like self-care and taking care of yourself. And one of the things that they covered, which I had no idea is there's this thing, um, that w- there was research done in 2009 by um, this woman, oh gosh, I forget her name, um, but she coined this term called email apnea. And what she found was that 80% of people when they're online hold their breath or they ha- take shallow um, shallow breaths as they're working. And I totally do that. And it's fascinating. Yeah, and that kind of stress can lead to really long-term effects, like really like bad effects on your body. And, um, so that has really helped me. I've really been concentrating on my breathing when I'm, when I'm working. And I can't tell you how many times where I'm looking at my phone or I'm on Twitter or I'm checking email where I'm, I'm literally holding my breath and I I never knew that. So I wonder why, like, I wonder, I think I do that too. And I wonder why we do that though. Yeah, apparently 80% of, um, of people do it. So, so this book, is, this book has just been a godsend for me. And it, it's just it, one of another thing that I love about the internet is the sense of community that we have. And it was really great to hear, um, from all these like leaders in, um, different industries that have a hard time focusing on, on what they do. And, um, it's just really helped me. I, I have a couple blog posts in the work, um, in the works about the book, specific things that they talk about. That's great. I look forward to reading those. That sounds really good. Um, all right. I wanted to talk about a podcast, actually. Um, I'm a big fan of listening to podcasts and also audiobooks. So, Megan, I'm going to get that book on Audible because I get <laughs> lots of things. I have an Audible subscription. Um, and uh, so this is a podcast called Gweek. And I don't know if either of you listen to it, but um, it is by uh, Mark Fraunfelder, who is the founder of Boing Boing. And... Um, and every week he has two guests on the show. In fact, my show is modeled after Greek. Um, he has two guests on the show. They talk about what they're up to and then talk about their top picks for things. Now, the people he brings on are really different from the people that I bring on because Boing Boing is super different from what I do. But um, if you like um, to learn about games, comic books. It's really kind of dorky, sort of nerdy stuff, um, which I thought I wasn't really into. But once I started listening to it, I have ended up ordering a ton of different things that his guests have recommended over the over the years or just learning about them. He's really into Bitcoin, which is not something I knew anything about. Just learned about <laughs> that through Mark. Um, and he also, you know, it's, it's TV shows. It's just really... 
um, sort of nerdy Greek stuff. And uh, it's a great show. I just love it. I listen to it every week. Um, and I really think Mark is a, a great podcast host because he's, you know, he's not sort of super polished. He's just himself. And the show is just himself. It's them talking. It's not overly edited or slick. It's just an honest conversation by really smart and interesting people about things they're doing and things they're seeing online, things they're recommending that you check out. And I love it. So if you're interested in uh, another great podcast, I recommend Gleek. It's a good one. I'm adding that to my list as soon as we hang up the phone. Yeah, totally. Go subscribe. <laughs> You're going to like it. And go back and listen to some of the old ones. There's like a hundred something episodes now. So you can just click on any of them. They're all good. Um, but he had like Rob Walker on recently. I love Rob Walker. And uh, so I recommend the one with Rob Walker if you <laughs> want to pick one. Um, all right, Kara, we're back up to you. So this is like a Singer product. Yes. Uh, it's the Steam Press. Don't have one of these. What is this? So I spend a lot of time uh, fusing interfacing for the bags that I make and the accessories that I make. And I, when I had been doing uh, the fusing before, previously I'd had like three irons on the go. I have an extra large ironing board and I would have three irons and I'd have a little timer set up on my, um, on my phone for every eight seconds to move the irons. And, you know, I could press the, I could fuse the interfacing for one pouch in take me about 16 seconds per side. So, you know, that adds up. It's 32, it's a half a minute for one pouch. And I got this Singer steam press. And basically what it is, is, you know, it's like the pants irons that you see in, um, dry cleaners, that sort of thing. So it's a big giant ironing board. That's, I think it's nine by 22. And so now I can line up nine wee pouch sides and Eight seconds later, I'm done with nine of them. So it's cut, it's increased my efficiency amazingly. And I love it. And I use it for quilting as well. If you're trying to get a block to be super, super flat, oh, you put it in there, it's like magic. So you put, you, you like lay it down in the bed of the steam press and then you just pull the top down. And exactly. It, it steams it and it's quicker and more efficient than using an iron. It is. And I actually don't use the steam. I'm, I'm a dry iron kind of person. Are you? Okay. I am. And that's mostly it started because I had two different Rowentas that peed all over oh my, my ironing God. board my Rowent- all the time. Oh, okay. So we, my <laughs> studio, which is, I say studio in quotes because actually it's just a table in my bedroom, um, is in our bedroom. Okay. So I have a Rowenta and literally it drips. So it drips yes. off my ironing board, which is, you know, always set up next to my desk. Um, and it just drips all night long. So I had to put it on the floor yep. for a long time. And now I just don't, I have a, I don't even fill the water part of it. I just have a exactly. spare bottle next to it because that's stupid Ruenza. I can't stand it. I would never buy <laughs> my, one again. My old ironing board rusted underneath. <laughs> it so much. So the steam press, this one, it, it, it takes the place. I still use my other iron, but this takes the place of anything that I have to do that's large scale that needs to be super flat. That's great. That's a great recommendation. I don't know anyone else who uses, do you know anyone else who uses that? No, I saw one in a quilt shop in Austin at QuiltCon, and I took a picture of it, and I thought, what is this amazing? Is this an iron? This is awesome. (laughs) And then came home and immediately researched it and bought one. Awesome. That's a great tip. Okay, Megan, um, so we're over to you. This is a website. First of all, I love the name of this website. It's called, and then I was like. (laughs) (laughs) So you can create... Are they GIFs or GIFs? I don't know if people have decided how you say that. So word. the correct 
pronunciation is GIF that the the um, guy who made who actually made the first GIF says that the correct pronunciation is GIF, but the internet refuses to. Um, it's GIF to, to go I, I along with that. So everybody GIF. says everybody says GIF. That's so <laughs> funny. Uh, GIF so, is peanut butter. Yeah, it's GIF like the peanut butter. All yeah. right, all right. But I say GIF. I think I say I don't know what I say now. I'm confused. Yeah, everybody says GIF. Okay. I should say GIF. <laughs> all right. So what is and then I was like, do so. It's really cute. It's by um, it's by this couple, Adam Pash and Ellen Fl- Flaherty, and he was the editor in chief of Lifehacker, and she's a designer. Um, who has a really great sensibility. It's a really cute little site, and basically you turn it on and you um, it helps you make uh, three-second GIFs from your laptop or desktop camera. So it's a, it's a great little tool to either have fun with or if you want to show something, um, you know, you want to show something quick and make it into GIF form. It's just fun. So what have you made? Have you made anything? Um, I haven't made anything other than like saying hello. Um, but I'm always looking for cool, neat things to create content with. So I think it's something, you know, it would be great for knitters or somebody that wants to, um, show something really quickly. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun and it's also just cute. And I like supporting people that make awesome stuff. Yeah, totally. So (laughs) what's free? Yeah. Right. So what do you do with your gifts? Like what can, what should, what should we do with that? So once you make them, you can share it on Twitter. You can share it on Facebook. They also give you code. So you have, um, the actual gift file so you can upload it to your blog. Um, you could upload it to your Tumblr. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do with it, but, um, is, they, there, is there a gallery on there so we can like get some inspiration? You know, I'm on there right now and let me see. There's, express yourself about who can see what let's see here um yeah so far no i don't see anything um it's just who you know um you can just make it you can log in and you have your own account okay so we just have to play with it and sort of say yeah um i did one i did a gif uh, when I did my first reversible toy, I had this um, egg and you flip it inside out and it's a chicken mm-hmm. or a chick. And so I wanted to sort of, it's really hard to, to take a product shot of that because it's, it's, it's like more than one thing. Like you have mm-hmm. to sort of show it in action. So I did a GIF, GIF, whatever, when I um, launched that one showing how you turn it inside out and then turn it right side out again. Um, so it's kind of cool for that sort of thing or like things in progress or, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. All right, I'm going to play with it. Um, all right, so I wanted to recommend starting a Facebook group. Do either of you have a Facebook group you've started, or are either of you in a Facebook group? Uh, both for me. Yes, both for me as well. Oh, good to know. All right, so I have a Facebook group, and both for me too. So <laughs> I didn't really know. I didn't really know a lot about Facebook groups. Um, I was looking for a way to set up a community, kind of like a a chat board. And I did a bunch of research. I wanted something that would be similar to what's available on Ravelry because a friend of mine is a crochet designer. She has a great um, chat board on Ravelry where it's like a forum that's just for her, you know, customers and fans. And they talk about what they're making from her patterns and stuff like that. And I was really intrigued by that. And of course, we don't have a Ravelry for sewists, as I've talked about many times on my blog. So uh, I did a bunch of research and kind of came to the conclusion that starting a Facebook group, although not an ideal way, 
to have threaded conversations was the best of sort of what was out there um, because everybody's already on Facebook. So they'll be reminded to sort of see it. They get push notifications on their phone or whatever. So they will continue to use it. And uh, that was a big concern of mine that it would sort of die if it wasn't somewhere where everybody was already. Um, so I started a Facebook group about a year and a half ago called the Walshy Naps uh, Softy Designers Forum. And it's for people who are designing sewing patterns for stuffed animals and dolls. And it's amazing. So I have um, like 145 people in there now, and uh, we talk about how to create patterns and start an online sewing pattern business. Um, And it's just great. People ask all sorts of questions, which for me, a lot of times turn into great blog posts because I, it's so helpful to see what people's questions are. Um, and people are really encouraging. There's a woman in my group who lives on an organic pig farm in rural Australia, <laughs> and she's an incredible designer. She's a grandmother. She has tons and tons of patterns that are just in envelopes, and she wanted to make them into PDFs so that she would have like a legacy that would actually be useful for people instead of just envelopes. And she had to learn literally everything about how to do this. And she launched her first pattern on Etsy last week and sold one of them. It's for a hobby horse. I mean, I was so proud of her. I was like nearly in tears. It's just (laughs) an amazing thing that's happened through being part of a group on Facebook. Um, And I subsequently joined a few other groups for bloggers um, and just to sort of check out like what other people are doing in their Facebook groups. But I kind of don't really like Facebook for promoting my business personally because I don't find it to be very helpful. But when you have a group, you see every post that everybody makes. So it's not, you know, going with this sort of annoying Facebook algorithm. Um, You get to see everything. And I don't know. It's not ideal, but it works pretty well. What do you guys think of of the groups that you're you're in? The ones that I'm in are not necessarily, they're more social. Um, There's a a conference that happens in Palm Springs for kind of nerds and geeks and makers. And it's primarily San Francisco, but it's called Yes by Yes, Yes. And it came out of... um, it came out of people that used to go to South by Southwest Interactive and really enjoyed the conversations that happened sort of outside of the sessions. And so they put together like, what would happen if we just, instead of going to South by Southwest, what if we go to like Palm Springs and just invite all our friends? And so it's sort of an unconference. And the group that we have for that is fantastic. There's amazing, amazing stuff that goes on. Kara, like, did you go to that, um, that conference? Yeah, we went last, last year was the first year and we're going again this year. Yeah, I, be- I think I belong to the group and I had heard about it as well. And, and it seemed like a really great conference. Yeah, it was, it was pretty phenomenal. Can I just say the name of it is awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, it comes from, um, in improv, one of the things that you're supposed to do is always say yes. Right. I gather. I'm not an improv person. So no, I've heard know. that. I'm not either, but I've heard that too. Like you have to just embrace it and go. Like exactly. You can't, so you can't resist what the other person is sort of mm-hmm. presenting. And so that's basically the whole conference was based around saying yes. And so people, you know, there were sort of sessions of like an astronomer sitting on the side of the pool talking about what's what's new in astronomy. And then there was a bunch of people making friendship bracelets. And then, you know, there's a bunch of people just drinking beer and, you know, connecting um, venture capitalists with startups. It was it was crazy. That sounds so cool. Um, that's great. All right. So, um, so, but, so Carol, back up to you. And 
you wanted to talk about glue basting. I clicked over to the blog post you recommended from mm-hmm. So Much Like Mom, and it looked like a lot of glue. I wasn't, I didn't totally <laughs> understand. So what, what is glue basting? So glue basting, if you can, I use it for quilting, but you could use it really with any cotton fabric. If you're using washable glue, it's essentially just starch and water. So the premise is you run a very, very thin bead of glue along, you know, inside the seam allowance of whatever it is that you're going to sew. And then you press it with a hot iron and no steam. And so, of course, the water evaporates and the starch just kind of goes back to being friends with the other starches. And it holds everything together. So you don't need to use pins and your seam never moves. And it is incredible. Wow. Yeah. So you want to use... It blew my mind. You want to use a really thin bead of glue so it doesn't seep out the edges and get on your iron. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't really need that much. So it's a wa- as long as you're using a washable glue and, uh, Christy who runs the blog so much like mom, she sells little kits where you can get the glue and you can get these special, uh, glue tips that are super, super fine, which I bought. And you just run this fine little bead along, put the other piece of fabric down, steam it with a hot iron for like three seconds. And then you can go to the sewing machine. Your seam will never move. You don't have to worry about having your walking foot on. It's amazing. Wow. So is it really just starch? Is that what's really in glue? Apparently. And this is like (laughs) Elmer's school glue? Yeah. Just the school glue that you can get, you know, a giant bottle of it for 99 cents. Wow. That's so cool. And it's only cotton fabrics though. Well, I'm not sure about that. I've only used it on cotton fabrics because that's primarily what I work with. You know, anything else that you were, I'm sure it would work on linen just fine. But if you were, um, be hesitant a little bit with polyester, just, uh, you know, it depends how long you're keeping it under the iron, I guess. Right. I'm going to try it. That's so cool. I have to make, um, a project with a, an embroidery that, um, is for a blog tour for, for an embroidery pattern that's going to be released soon. And it, um, I don't do a ton of sewing with cotton, but this one is embroidery and it's on cotton. So I'm I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to make yet, but I'm going to try it with that and see, cause that sounds really brilliant. Um, my goodness. I had used it, I was putting together a quilt top. And so, you know, you have these seams that are eight feet long Yeah, and, there's always some wiggling of the fabric and it, you know, by the time you get to the end, half of it's, you know, an inch and a half off or like the <laughs> seams it never meet up and yeah, yeah. you're trying to ease in extra stuff between matching points. And this took away all of that. Wow. It's just right under the machine and off it went. Oh my God. I love it. That's so it was cool. amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. Megan, I have heard of this website before, but I haven't, I don't really follow it. So it's called Pugly Pixel. Mm-hmm. Why do you like it? So Pugly Pixel is uh, this, it's a site by this girl, Katrina. And I found her through Rena Tom, who is one of the founders of Makeshift Society. And in 2012, so I've always kind of messed around with HTML and a little bit of CSS. Like I got interested in HTML because of MySpace <laughs> back in the day. Um, Cause I wanted to make GIFs and comments that sparkled. And so I really wanted to take a deeper dive into learning more about front end development. Like I wanted to be able to tweak my blog more and um, you know, all that good stuff. And um, Rena suggested that I check out Pugly Pixel and she has these screencast online classes where she walks you through um, CSS tips. Um, So you can sign up for, I think it's a 25 day course and you go at your own pace and it's all these great videos where she walks you through 
how to um, how to tweak a blog spot or a blogger. Um, I'm, I'm showing my age. <laughs> a, a blogger uh, theme, and then she just recently launched a new one for WordPress. But then, if you're not interested in that, she also has. Um, weekly tutorials on Photoshop and she offers brushes that you can download for free or buy. She does free goodies and then also, um, stuff that you can buy. And it's all totally reasonable, like $5 for brushes. Um, she does great stuff. Like she showed me, I learned how to do, um, bunting on Photoshop so you can make your images look really cute by adding some bunting and she's self-taught. So it's just one of the things I really love about her is that, She's created this um, this massive online following, and she does it in a way that um, is just really approachable. And you know, there's no jargon. There's no. Um, she's just really great, and her colors are awesome. And I love the stuff she blogs about. Like some of the stuff she'll show on her blog is she's really into fashion, and so she'll show an image within a you know like W magazine or um, some other magazine that she's following, and she'll break down the type the font, um, and how to pixelate, or, you know, she'll show specific things that you can do. And it's just really great. Um, she sort of breaks down design in a way that I think is palatable for everybody. That's awesome. I'm going to add it to my feed. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 Her shop is great. She has like a la carte where she'll, she has like glitter images that you can download. She shows you how to make glitter on Photoshop. She has this thing called Blog Bling Kit, and that has, um, you know, just, like, all different, like, layouts for your photos, rickrack, um, stationary, sequins, I mean, ribbons. Yeah, it's really cute and really fun. And it's just, you know, it's just a nice way to take control of your blog and your online presence in a new creative way. Yeah, and I love that it. Um, she makes it accessible for it, like deconstructs things so that people can understand it, and yes. just sort of regular people. You know, yep. like you don't right. You don't have to be anybody. You right. You don't have to have a ton of experience. She does it in a way that is very easy, um, and you know, beginners are encouraged for sure. That's great. Yeah, that's a great resource. Um, okay. I wanted to talk about a book. I know it's like old school book, but, um, this is a book that came out in the, I think it was in the mid nineties. It's called understanding comics, the invisible art. It's by Scott McLeod. Um, and it's a comic book about comics. So, which is sort of meta. Um, it's totally brilliant. It, um, gives you the history of comics, but also, it examines the art form of comics and what it's capable of and how it works and breaks that down. So um, it helps you sort of define comics, um, understand the elements that make them up, and then um, shows you how your mind processes the language of comics. So there's an example. Is there's a concept called closure, which is the stuff that happens in between the panels of a comic strip. So there's something drawn in the panel, then there's like the white space between, and then there's something drawn in the next panel. And what happens in between in that white space is called closure, where your mind fills in the action that takes place there. And he plays with that and shows you how different comic artists use it, how it's changed over time. It's just totally eye-opening. He shows you how time flows through comics and action. Um, 
I just thought it was a great book. I'm nearly done with it. I think I'm, uh, I have maybe 20 pages left. Um, and it's all drawn. So it's all a comic strip. And there's a narrator, which is sort of the author. Um, and he kind of takes you through the whole history. And I think you'll never sort of see comics the same way again. And you'll, I think he really makes the point that it's an art form just like, you know, movies or painting or anything else. And it should definitely be treated um, with the same level of respect as any of those art forms. Oh, that's cool. So, that sounds yeah. super cool. It I is- live with a comic book geek, and our our whole basement, pretty much everything that's not filled with fabric is filled with graphic novels. So <laughs> it yeah. sounds exactly like something that I should be reading. Totally. And you'll So once you read it, when you go back to reading, I love graphic novels too. And when you go back to reading graphic novels, I think you see them in a new way because he kind of, he's, it's just totally deconstructs them and shows you like how they're thought through. Um, so I thought, I thought it was totally amazing. Um, highly recommend it. It's called Understanding Comics, The Invisible Art by Scott Cloud. So, all right. Um, we are back up to you, uh, Caro, and you wanted to talk about some wireless headphones. So one of the things that I do when I'm working um, at my sewing machine and I'm putting together stuff for the shop, I have that problem of being distracted by the internet. So what I always do is fire up a TV show on Netflix and I go full screen and then I'm not tempted to, what's happening on Twitter? I just, for whatever reason, I just tune it all out. And I previously had my headphones set up where they were plugged into my computer. But then when I was operating in the sort of sewing triangle of my studio, you know, between the sewing machine and the iron and the cutting board, I would, if I got up from the sewing machine, I would have to take my headphones off and then, you know, pause the show and come back. And this way with wireless headphones, I put them on and I can move about the entire studio and never have to pause the TV. So I never get distracted by the internet. (laughs) Have you done that thing where you pull aside and then like drag your laptop top off the desk? That's happened to me a couple times. <laughs> yes. And, and I've done that many, many times. And yeah. then, so with the wireless headphones, you never have to worry about it. It's, it's changed the way that the, the way that I work. And again, looking at efficiency, which is one of my goals for this year is trying to keep my studio super efficient. That was one of the things that helped immensely. So do you find it's okay to watch TV while also doing something with your hands? Like I have trouble with that, with that. Like I can't, I don't think I could watch TV while also sewing. Like I, I essentially listen to TV. I occasionally glance at it, but mostly I'm listening. And that's what I I do too. I I, I listen to old law and order. Yeah, exactly. And so I, the, the, the shows that I watch, if I don't, I try not to watch something new, like a new movie. I go with things that I've either seen before or, you know, like Vampire Diaries that doesn't require a whole lot of attention <laughs> because then I can tune it out. I can miss five minutes and, you know, you still, you get caught up. So Netflix has been awesome for that and uh, Amazon Prime streaming. I've watched so many TV shows, you know, and you can sit down and in a week of sewing, it's like all of the bags that I made in X week were done to Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and <laughs> I can almost chart what I was watching when I was making stuff. I definitely think that listening to things and having your mind engaged that way helps you work longer. Um, and and I, music doesn't work for me in the no. same way. It has to be something else that's keeping my brain moving, yeah. but not letting it go into its own space. Absolutely. Um, I find that like I, it builds up my stamina almost. So like after 
you know, if I don't listen to anything, if it's silent after like 35, 40 minutes, I'm like, eh, time for a break. You know, let's go. Exactly. And if I'm listening to something good, I can work for like three hours straight. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, I definitely think listening to something great is good. Um, I listen to audiobooks or podcasts, but, um, I think part of that's maybe because I don't have a laptop and I, we have one computer in my house and it's downstairs. It's a desktop computer. My studio is upstairs. So I don't have the option of watch. There's no screen up there. So, right. um, so maybe that's the reason I don't do it, but <laughs> anyway, but listening is awesome. So, um, all right, Megan, talking about efficiency, you had a couple of, um, efficiency apps, pocket and Evernote and sketch. Mm-hmm. Yes. And those kind of all go hand in hand for me. So, um, you know, I work with people that are creating content online and one of the most important things about sharing content online is the 80, 20 rule where you share 80% of information that sort of, um, supports your mission and helps your industry. Like, so, I share a lot of stuff around from other people, you know, with information on social media and creating content. And then the other, the 20% is sort of, you know, my newsletter, my blog posts, um, my workshops. And so pocket is really great to save all that other content that you want to share the 80%. Um, because you know, I'm online all day and I'm constantly seeing really great stuff that I want to share. Um, but bookmarking it just isn't feasible. Like I don't want to take up that much room on my browser. Um, and pocket is really great because it's very visual, sort of this visual bookmarking, uh, site and they're getting older. One of the things that they've done recently is so when you, um, bookmark stuff, when you put it in your pocket, um, they will tell you if something's a hit, like if it's being saved by a lot of other people that are using pocket, like best of or trending. Um, and I use Chrome and pocket has a great Chrome extension. So you install this extension and anytime you find something cool online that you want to save, you just click the pocket, um, extension and it just goes right in to your pocket. And I also use it on my phone as well, which is great. Um, when I see things on Twitter that I want to save, and, um, you can use tags as well. So that way you can search stuff. Um, but it's a really great visual bookmarking tool that I love. And, um, I also use Evernote, um, in sort of tandem with pocket. So pocket, I save things that, you know, I want to share in my newsletter or I want to share online, but aren't necessarily, um, things that I want to keep forever even though they do stay forever, you can delete them in pocket if you want, where Evernote is sort of this note taking software where you can do, Oh my God, it's amazing. And I actually pay for the premium, which is $5 a month. And that's, I um, do too. yeah. And it's another thing that I really want to, um, talk about, um, hoping to write a blog post about it is this sort of, um, pushback on people paying for things online. Like we've gotten ourselves into the sort of weird quagmire where people don't want to pay for stuff. And, you know, if you run a business like Evernote, it's a deductible and it's $5. So like, don't buy yourself a Starbucks latte. And, you know, I, I think it's really important to pay for programs because you're helping to support other people that are making things. And what I love about Evernote is you can create notebooks and I mean, I have like hundreds of notebooks where I just, I save everything. I take notes in there when I meet with clients, you can take photos on your phone and upload receipts. 
Um, it takes a little, it's got a little bit of a steep learning curve. I know so many people use Evernote and then they abandon it because it just seems really confusing, but I really encourage people to stick with it because it's a great place to save everything. And getting back to what I said about pocket, I actually have a notebook in Evernote where I keep like really important articles that I've read that I want to refer back to years later. And it's incredible. It's just, it's just such a great resource for me. Um, I can, and it's really easily searchable. I have it on my phone as well. I love that it also can search. I, I take, I use it for recipes and I'll take a picture of the recipe book yep. page. That's a, yeah. And that's then another you, good, good. it parses all the text in there so that you can search for something yep. that's in the recipe. You don't have to leave, leave, write any notes on mm-hmm. it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And like Kara just said, you can take screenshots and it saves screenshots. So I do a lot of, I take a lot of social media screenshots Um, and that's where sketch comes in. So Evernote bought sketch a few years ago and sketch is an awesome screen grabbing tool where you can take pictures of anything online and then you can actually write on it or point arrows to it. Um, it's a great tool for me to use when I'm working with clients, creating walkthroughs. And once you take a screen grab with sketch, it's, it's saved in Evernote. You have the option to save it in Evernote, but Evernote also has the ability to take images of PDFs. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really awesome visual bookmarking, uh, resource. So tell me, wait, tell me a little bit more about sketch. So the sketch can take a screenshot. Is that what it's used for? Yeah. So sketch was a, its own platform and Evernote bought it a few years ago. And so basically what sketch is, it's this app that you open up on your desktop and you can, so I don't know about you, but for me, I used to just use, like, I, I'm a Mac person. So I would just use shift command yep. for when I wanted to capture screen grabs. Yeah. And then I'd have all these like JPEGs on right. my desktop <laughs> yep. that, That's you know, me. and so it's like constantly taking JPEGs where a sketch is a way it saves. Um, you have the option to save every screen grab. And not only can you save them, but you can mark them up. So you can circle things on it. You can write on them. You can put an arrow towards something. You can blur, you can pixelate things out. So, you know, I often show people things on Twitter or Facebook and, you know, especially with Facebook, maybe there are certain comments I don't want people to see, or I want to blur somebody's name. Um, it's a great way to share that stuff. And so Evernote recently acquired them and now it's been integrated into Evernote so you can save all your screen grabs into Evernote so you can create a notebook where all of your screen grabs are. And so for somebody who like me, who's a consultant who needs to show people things and show walkthroughs and very detailed ways in which software works, it's a great, um, it's a great resource. Yeah, that's cool. And it's also great to just share with people, you know, if you want to show somebody something like, for instance, I'm always watching my competition, like people that are doing cool things in social media. Um, I also like to share about them as in terms of community, but I really am design oriented. So I like to save people that, um, that are doing what I'm doing that have really beautiful websites or do really well design. Because I think one of the things with social media is you see these sort of awful dated, um, infographics or so I, I, I like the design aspect and I'm always trying to get inspiration. So I'll, I'll grab screenshots of what other people are doing. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a yeah. great tool. And those three kind of go hand in hand pocket, Evernote and sketch. Yeah. I use pocket. I, 
Um, I'm not, I have Evernote, but I need to, to buckle down and, and learn to use it. Um, it's a commitment, you know? Um, I mean, as somebody, as a consultant, as somebody who like, I spend a lot of time doing research and finding resources, it's just a great place for me to just dump stuff, right? you know? And then I can go back, like Caro said, and just search it. And it, it totally goes through all the type. You don't have to, you can tag it, but let's say you don't tag it. You can, you can find it still. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. I wanted to, uh, to talk about and sort of an idea, recommending an idea more than a, a thing. Um, and, um, do you guys both have, I'm assuming you probably both do have mailing lists. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I do too. And, um, and I guess that my, so my idea is that I think that you should, most people should email their list more often. Would you agree? Do you guys feel the same way? I think you should email your list more often. Definitely. I think that there's a fear around selling for people like us, like creatives. And I think that it's really important. Um, they've, there's research has found lately that actually email marketing, it does a lot better than social. Yeah. And I feel like, so I know a lot of different designers who have email lists who have really, you know, good sized email lists. And I feel like there's just a fear of, of sending Mm -hmm. out an email, um, that you're going to drive people away. You're going to annoy them. You're yep. going to overwhelm them. You're badgering them. I deal with this all the time with mm. clients talking and about this issue. So I'm just going to come out and say, email your list more often. Like, email, <laughs> do it. Just Okay, point taken. Yeah, I will do it. <laughs> do it. Email your list once a week. Um, email them. Just They're there. They want to be there. They want to hear from you. If you if they don't want to hear from you, they can unsubscribe and you don't take it personally. Like it's just too much for them or whatever. And that's fine. But if you have something to say and you're creating something that's worth, you know, which I hope you are worth reading, worth looking at, then like share it, email it to people. I really feel like, um, you know, emailing somebody, emailing your list every three weeks or once a month, I don't think it's often enough. I I agree. And I find also that, um, one of the things that I, notice is when I start to pay attention to something more, I, I take that as like a universal sign that other people are doing it too. And about a year ago, I started subscribing more to newsletters because I found that it really cuts down on a lot of like the cock, uh, what's the word? Cacophony. Cacophony. Yes. (laughs) of, Of the internet and the noise. And then I've started seeing articles that where newsletters are, are sort of becoming the go-to now. And I, Abby, I deal with this all the time with my clients where they're like, oh, I don't want to bug people. It's like, you are in business. You are in a creative business and you're not bugging people. You're selling things and you're, you're, you're sharing what you're doing. And like you just said, if people don't want to be a part of it, there's an unsubscribe button. Yeah. And they've signed up to be part of it as it is. So the expectation is that you're going to send them stuff. Absolutely. I've signed up for several email lists from various bloggers and I've never gotten an email. Um, and that's sort of sad. Um, and then there's ones where, like I said, where I get one every three weeks or, or longer goes between them. And I, yeah, that'll be me. "Mm." (laughs) So listen, Carol, buckle down. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so that's my suggestion is just email your list more often. Um, yeah. And the addendum that I would like to add mm. to that is, um, be cool about your newsletter. You know, don't add people that that don't want to be on it. That's one of the things that I find is is really frustrating. Is people think just because you've emailed with them that they can now import you into their newsletter, mm-hmm. and that's actually illegal in some states. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, don't do that because that's spammy. 
Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. It's also a, 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 like, you know, every time you send one out, certain people unsubscribe. And then they give you, they, they give you like the, um, the little checklist to say why you're unsubscribing, like too many emails or whatever. And, or that you never sign up for this list. Um, and it's, it's just sort of amazing to me the number of people, like maybe two or three people every time I send one who will say, this email is spam. It's like, mm, you had a double opt in to be able to get this email. So I don't think it's spam. Um, I people don't, just don't understand. They're like, oh, let me just click something. Mm. Yeah. Or like, what is the definition of spam? Like it's not exactly. spam if you signed up and then you got an email and you confirmed, mm-hmm. then it's not spam. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, but it's okay. Fine. Fine. Um, all right, Carol, we have one time for one more and it's yours. It is harvest. Yes. So this is time tracking. And I used this when I was in my job job, but one of the things, again, I was trying to make myself more efficient and Part of the pricing for my photography was understanding how much time I actually spend doing things because I was constantly like, I'm sure that was like an hour that I did that, but it turns out it was three hours. So what this is, for for, under the free banner, you can do it, um, you can set up two different accounts. So I have my split yarn handmade sewing and then I have my photography and you can hit a little timer and it records how much time you've spent working on whatever it is. So underneath Split Yarn Handmade, I have it broken out into a few other um, sections. So I've got if I'm cutting and fusing fabric or if I'm sewing regular box bags or I'm sewing camera straps, then I just allot each of those, the billable hours, and it's made it so that now I know exactly how much time it takes me to edit a photo shoot and how much time it takes me to process the photos. I know how much I can... uh, how many bags I can sew in a given amount of time. And it's been fantastic for at least getting, making sure that my pricing matrix is set appropriately. Yeah. That's so interesting and good for efficiency too. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Like I can tell that, you know, three weeks ago I had a week where I tracked 32.61 hours, you know, and, um, X amount of that was photography and X amount of that was sewing. So mm-hmm. I love harvest. I use it. Do as you? Well. Yep. That's so cool. I love these tracking devices. I think that's really interesting. And that data is really informative and it can help you also shift like how you're spending your time. And as you said, shift your pricing structure. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And you can export it to Excel there and there's tons of reports and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I use it also to bill clients. It has a great invoicing system and it yeah. looks really nice and you can brand it. So it looks like, um, so, so it looks like your brand and, you know, you can see when people have looked when they've opened up their emails. So if they say, Oh, I didn't get that, you know, <laughs> mm, you did get Liar. that invoice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like Harvest a lot. Yay. And it's, if you pay for it, it's um, only $12 a month. If it's just one of you, which is great. That's super. Never heard of it before. And it sounds really useful. So, mm-hmm. um, so this has been great, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for all of these really thoughtful and totally interesting. And a lot of them brand new to me tips. Um, it was, yeah, so great. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I Absolutely. learned a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of stuff to go and research now. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> I often end up during my show ordering things from Amazon, like while I'm talking to people. <laughs> all these boxes arrive. I'm like, what did I order? But uh, <laughs> that's happened to me a lot. So, um, so this has been the Walshy Naps podcast. Um, today I've been talking to Caro Sheridan and Megan O'Toole. Caro, where can we find you online? You can find me at splityarn.com or on any of the other places in Facebook and Twitter. I'm Split Yarn. 
Awesome. And Megan, where should we find you? You can find me at MeganLeCool.com or on Twitter as Megs, M-E-I-G-S. Excellent. Okay, guys, thank you. This show airs on the first and third Monday of each month. You can subscribe in iTunes so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, take a minute to rate and review it in iTunes so that more people can find it. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Thank you so much for listening.